Governor Hot Lava Podcast, Kevin Acey on the road again in San Francisco for uh, just two games and then uh, on to Colorado. We'll talk about the San Francisco series here. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune back in San Diego. Jay, just a, wow, just a basically a life-threatening emergency here. Just did the worst homestand ever. <laughs> I hyperbolize, but Jay, the Padres are 33-33. and 33. Craig Stammen, let's see, Andy Green messed things up. Ian Kinsler's still here. Uh being somewhat sarcastic, but you know what? A lot left to be desired out of this homestand. Yeah, I mean, obviously everyone was expecting better than four and six. Gave away the one afternoon game against the Phillies. Stole a game, I would say, against the Nationals, so maybe that balanced out. Didn't play as well as as people would hope. Uh, Ended on a bad note on Sunday when they got a great performance in a bullpen game uh, up until the eighth inning when one of the guys you would not expect to struggle in a bullpen game uh, struggled beyond whatever struggle. Whatever beyond struggle is, that's what Craig Stammen did, uh, allowing four straight home runs to tie a major league record. You know, I I don't even know what to say about all that. I mean, I I think, you know, the blame is on Stammen. I mean, I think Andy Green got criticized in some circles, and I got criticized for defending him. But I, I'm not sure what a manager is supposed to do when a pitcher gives up four home runs and seven pitches. I, I said the other day, the only thing I could say is that maybe after the third one, they could have done some stalling. Uh, Balsley could have gone out, you know, then he could have come back to the dugout, and then Andy could have gone out. And, and maybe at that point, they could have gotten Miguel Diaz ready. But we don't know how long it takes Miguel Diaz to get ready either. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe he needs another another six pitches or something like that. There's only so much you can do. You know, people said, why didn't they Why didn't they make a mound visit? I don't know. Darren Balsley knows a lot more about Craig Stammen and pitching than, you know, the rest of us will ever, he'll forget more than the rest of us will ever know about pitching. And, and he obviously didn't think it was important to go out there. So I, I think, you know, if you're going to fault Darren Balsley, great, fault Darren Balsley. But I, I think, I've talked about this before, I think players need to be blamed when players mess up. And this was a situation, Stammen, this is Stammen's situation. You can't say he was in a put in a situation where he doesn't normally belong or anything like that. This is the situation he's on the team to succeed in. Most of the time he does. In this game, he didn't. Uh, to me, that's on Craig Stammen. And, and uh, you know, does he continue in this role? Yeah, I, I think he does, at least in the in the short term. And if he has another outing or two like this, then maybe you start thinking about about dropping him into a different spot. So where are you on all this, Kevin? Well, I think you make all valid points, and the questions about, hey, Andy or, or Ballsley, those are, you can ask those questions. We, we should. And then the answers are, Jay, basically what you said. I mean, it's not a video game. Craig Stammen's not always going to be perfect. You don't just get to, like, select reliever, and then that reliever's instantly coming in. Uh, there's a lot of communication that goes on. Doug Bockler, the bullpen coach down there, talking about how Stammen looked. You know, there obviously, or I'm assuming, uh, there wasn't any warning of that. I wasn't there on Sunday. I have seen the pitches, some good ones, some bad ones. Uh, when he first came in, I thought Stammen was, was hurling, now quickly unraveled. Um, but all those explanations, Jay, you're 100% correct. Playing it forward, they are going to go younger. Now, I fully expect, as you do, that Craig Stammen would be your high leverage, so your seventh inning, your more likely eighth inning guy if that situation arises tonight as we take this before the start of the series in San Francisco Tuesday, that he would be your high leverage guy. Then again, if 
it doesn't work, it doesn't work again, well, you know what? The plan is always moving forward. That is when Jose Castillo comes back. That is Trey Wingenter and what they were moving him toward uh, before his shoulder injury and what they are moving him toward now. That could be Miguel Diaz. So, Absolutely, they're you know they're going to be bringing guys up from the minors. Uh, Gerardo Reyes, as long as he keeps throwing strikes, he's uh you know the future is youth in those spots. But Craig Stammen, there is no way that Andy Green could have done much more before the the third home run. And I would say even after that, it would have taken you know an incredible stall job. And like I said, and I'll ask today, just out of curiosity, uh, and Andy will know I wasn't there, and uh, he won't give me too hard of a time about it, but you know, so why not after the third pitch? It had to do with Miguel Diaz needing time. Uh, you are not going to, first of all, anticipate a fourth home run. Second of all, risk Miguel Diaz's health. Right, and you're not going to get someone up after Stammen gives up one home run. I mean that no. that 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 just that happens. Guys give up runs and he gave up three last year. <laughs> right, right. So you go from there. You know, and one thing looking back at the at the homestand that's a, a bit of a concern is the, obviously the the pitching. You know, was just not good enough. Gave up nine runs to the Marlins, nine runs to the Marlins, nine runs to the Phillies, seven runs to the Phillies. You know, even the games they won against Washington, they gave up four runs, four runs. They gave up four in a loss. Gave up five and a loss. I mean, I I just don't think they can. You know, there wasn't one game. The first game of the homestand, they beat Miami five to two. They beat Philadelphia eight to two. Uh, those are the only games where they you know gave up fewer than four runs. And they're going to need some better pitching than that um, because you know the offense just isn't there. And and I, I don't know that there's any reason to expect that it's that it's going to be there. Other than you would think Manny Machado would hit better, and especially now going on the road. I mean, his home numbers are, are, are just not good at all, but he's been very good on the road. And they've been they've been good on the road in terms of scoring runs, uh, almost four and a half a game on the road and, and just 3.7 when they've been home. So, you know, we'll see. San Francisco's not exactly a hitter's park. Colorado obviously is. Uh, six games. And, you know, Kevin, we're entering a stretch now. The Padres have played 38 games at home and 28 on the road. That's obviously going to catch up to you, and it's going to start catching up now. 24 of the next 36 are on the road. The Padres are 15 and 13 on the road, so it's not like it's been a big uh, a big problem area uh, for them. And San Francisco throwing two young pitchers tonight, both of them with fewer than 30 innings of big league experience. Uh, not tonight, but in this series. Uh, Tyler Beatty over an 8 ERA in his 25 and a third innings. Sean Anderson just came up last month, has a four ERA in five starts. So we'll see how things go. The Giants are are a bad team. They're one of three teams with a worse run differential than the Padres, and it's way worse, minus 86. The Padres are in the minus 30 range. So, uh, again, we always say, hey, chance for the Padres to win a couple games, but (laughs) you can say that all you want, and and who knows what's going to happen. I mean, I... I happen. I follow the Indians a little closer than than other most other teams, and you know they just won two out of three against the Yankees, but they can't beat the they can't beat the Royals this year. So it, it's just one of those things that I've given up trying to predict how these things are uh, are going to happen. We'll just we'll just see what happens. And and the one thing about tonight, and and you should speak on this. And I uh, there's a story online if people haven't already seen it by the time they they hear this, should check it out before tonight's game. Uh, about Chris Paddock, and this is a big start for him. What uh, what can we expect from Paddock tonight, and what's in the story that uh, people should should have already read or or should be looking up here? 
Well, Chris Paddock's velocity is down a little bit. His command isn't as good, and his coaches would like to see him mix in the curve more and mix it in as a weapon, but also mix because they believe it can be but also mix it in to get people off the changeup. When his changeup and his fastball, the command is there, the changeup's doing its thing, uh, it's good enough to beat the Giants with him throwing like three curveballs. But when he faced the Yankees, the Dodgers, a veteran Phillies lineup, it, it was not. And they want Chris Paddock to be the guy that goes out and beats the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Phillies, anybody he faces. There's no reason to panic on, on Chris Paddock, but we're talking about three of his last four starts have not been good. ERA up over five on its way to six after being, what, one five five in his first seven starts. This is, uh, this is a big one. He go you know, he retired the first uh, 10 Giants he faced. Uh, doesn't mean he will tonight, but what we do know is the Giants are not the Yankees or the Phillies or the, heck, they're probably not the Diamondbacks. So <laughs> I'm, I think it's a big point. Now it's not make or break, but it's this lull that should have been expected out of Chris Paddock. And when will he and how will he get out of it? That, I, I'm very excited to, uh, to see this for different reasons than I've been excited for Paddock uh, pitching performances in the past. Right, and and this is the lineup that you want to see when if you're you know you know how there's teams you want to uh, yeah. lineups you want to face. This is the lineup you want to face. Uh, the Giants are 14th or 15th, and in all the major hitting categories, their OPS at home is actually below 600. So this is this is the kind of lineup where you would think Paddock would get it turned around, and 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 you would hope because the his next outing is going to be against the Brewers when the Padres come back here off this road trip, I would think he would pitch that first game on uh, on Monday next Monday night when the Padres come home. And there there you're talking about another another good team and a good test. So this is a way I, I don't think Paddock doesn't seem to be the type that loses confidence, but this is the kind of confidence building outing that somebody could uh, that somebody could have. Well let's speak that Jay like he doesn't seem like the kind to lose his confidence except that everybody does you know Roger Clemens did mm-hmm. I've heard story you know yeah. like it happens this whole the idea of having the conviction to throw a pitch and then having the conviction to throw it anytime in the major leagues having the confidence that you're awesome having the confidence you're awesome against any batter um, those are two different things that even Chris Paddock is finding out so right. I think it's big I wanted to speak to a couple things you said and you know I don't know where they're going but you you talked about the pitching and obviously, there was a big blow-up that Salmon was in the middle of, uh, you know, a couple days before his big blow-up. <laughs> and you, you talked about the runs. I thought that if you were going to look for a positive out of the game uh, on Sunday, it would be that, you know, Luis Perdomo yeah. went into the fourth, right? And, no, he was, uh, I thought he was he was great. I mean, you got the Robbie Erlin, uh, Robbie Erlin yep. there. And, uh, no, there's he no, has been good? Yeah. And and that's the kind of thing it seems like that they're going to have to do a little bit more of. I mean, yes. uh, Strom might be back by the is, is yes by the weekend. All indications, of course, I have a better idea today. But yes, right. you know, we'll see. We'll see Paddock. We'll see Lucchese. Uh, they still got Quantro and Lauer to go in uh, at least the first couple games. I would think in Colorado, and then uh, and then we'll see from there. But yeah, there's there's we'll we'll talk more about the Colorado series. I mean. The, Somebody could be pitching great. I mean, it's interesting. Lucchese's going to pitch in San Francisco, where the one time he pitched there last year was one of his worst outings. But when he paced the Giants earlier this year, it was one of his best outings. So who knows what we'll uh, who knows what we'll see tonight? And uh, 
as I said, I, I, I'm, I've never been really much in the prediction game, but trying to do it on here has made me even less inclined to, uh, to start trying to predict these things. And then the last thing, Jay, that I think that you, you touched on, and, and um, I know that you've, you know, we've talked about it a lot, so I know you got a lot of good stuff on it. Uh, and I think I might have some interesting insight. Is Manny Machado uh, at Petco Park? And and so first, set the table. How bad has it been? And you know, in comparison to say the road and, and all that. No, it's been it's been shockingly bad if you if you really think about it. I mean, he's hitting two fifteen. And his on base is only 296. He's only slugging 341. Those are his home numbers. And if you if you look like his his worst season, his worst full season when he was as a pro was 2017. He hit 259 that year, 310 on base, 471 slug. His numbers right now 242, 327, and only slugging 403. But on the road, he's slugging 485. And his on base is eight, and his OPS is eight fifty three, which is even above his career number. So he has been everything that the Padres would have expected and wanted on the road. The problem has been he's not been anywhere close to that at home. But hey, they're going on the road for a week, and uh, but I guess the question is, where is Machado's head in terms of of Petco Park? We've seen it get in the head of of other players. I, I wouldn't think it would get in anybody's head now because it's much more of a fair ballpark than it was in the days where we saw Phil Nevin glaring at the at Kevin Towers in the press box uh, after numerous balls died out in right center field. But the the ball is uh, the ball carries better there now, although it's been fairly chilly for seems like for a lot of their uh, a lot of their games. But where do you think Machado is in terms of of his approach at at Petco and comparing it to the road? I'm gonna play psychologist because that's part of my job right as 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 a beat writer and and all that uh, i'm i'm not one just in case you didn't know but i play one on podcasts so <laughs> i'm gonna go to the quote that manny machado gave after the grand slam that he hit against the phillies and what was that the eight to two victory and he talked about Petco Park and his struggles there. Or he was asked about his struggles, and he said, "This is a fair ballpark," um, and went kind of gushed a little bit, bordering on over the top. And and then few hit a ball well, but in there were a couple phrases. And I wish I you know thought I'm just not that smart. I'm just trying <laughs> to play one on the podcast uh, to have the actual quote. But there was also an allusion too. Yes, some balls do get caught up there. But real quick, Manny Machado said, "You know, but you hit it well, and, and they'll go out." And, you know, I think that that is similar to some things he said before. And it leads me to believe that Pecco is a little bit in his head. Now, we haven't seen a whole bunch where we're like, wow, man, he's probably really bummed because that would have been out at Camden Yards or wherever, and it wasn't here. We haven't seen a lot of those, but we also haven't seen a lot of opposite field. We haven't seen, we've seen a lot of grounders. We have mm-hmm. seen a lot of ground double plays, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> and so, like, there is a possibility that he's changed his approach a little bit. I, I Look, I'm a pop psychologist only, and not a very good one probably. Actually, I'm very good at it. But Manny Machado is supremely confident, and a part of that confidence is, and he's acknowledged this to me, is just don't address this stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, that quote, discount it, except the parts where he talked about how Petco Park can be tough. Right. <laughs> so that, that's my analysis, Jay. Okay. No, that, that, that makes sense. And, 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 and the, look, we're two the, months. Don't lie. Right. And, you know, the Padres have played, what is it, 38 games at at Petco. He didn't play in one, maybe two of those. 
So, you know, we're talking about not even half a season into a long-term contract. So it's a little early to start saying that, you know, Manny's never going to hit at Petco. I, I don't think anybody's there. But it is, it's definitely an issue worth, uh, worth keeping an eye on to see if those numbers go up as, as the season goes on. Because, you know, nobody's looking for a 637 combined on base and slugging from Manny Machado. You know, those are the numbers where if Austin Hedges gets there, you say, hey, that's great. Austin Hedges is at 637. But if Manny Machado's there, then that's that's going to be a problem. So, No, I'm just going to say, like, the, there is also the idea, and people in the organization are saying it now about Manny, the same way they said about Eric Hosmer last year, that the idea of the first year and the savior of the franchise and, and all that stuff, I, I don't think that can be discounted again. I'm projecting, but, you know, and so are other people, except those other people are around Manny Machado like every second. Right. And they, you know, they, they see no other reasons because he's working hard, he's doing a lot of the same things, and they're, you know, they've seen it before, that even the best, and that's why we talk about Chris Paddock's confidence, right? Even the best can feel the weight of pressure. Right. One last thing, and I know you got to, uh, I know you got to run, but uh, quickly, Luis Urias, where where do we stand? Where do we stand on that? Do we expect him uh, again? Not to get into the prediction game, but what sort of feeling do you have about when we might see Luis Urias, and and might it even be this week on the road trip? Yes, and uh, from multiple people soon is all I can get. Uh, and I, you know, if I get into more detail than that, I'm giving away some things, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know where I'm getting certain things, but um, it's, it's a, and not that anyone's giving me exactly when he's coming up and I'm hiding it from y'all. That's not happening, but soon is, is when it is. And, and as there is about every decision in every organization, there's internal debate about this. And a part of that debate is it centers around the fact that someone's got to go and that's Greg Garcia or Ian Kinsler. And, you know, we don't have enough time to get into all the reasons that it would be okay for Ian Kinsler to go. And then there's some reasons that no, <laughs> what he's brought to the team and the fact he has the third highest on base percentage on the team since May 1st and, you know, the chemistry, blah, blah, and the edge and all that stuff. And then you've got super utility guy, Greg Garcia, who what 347 on base. I mean, uh, you know, he's, but he's been everything you asked him to be, and he plays that role, whereas Ian Kinsler's 0 for 9 off the bench. So, you know, that's a part of it. But also a part of it is, if you saw uh, if you saw Luis Urias when he came up this time, this year, and up to a lesser extent at the end of last year, boarding his hamstring, he struggled. And he struggled with the fastball, and he looked lost. And the Padres believe, and again, there's differing opinions, and that's how good organizations work, that he hasn't exactly got the timing down, uh, down in AAA, despite the numbers. So they're they're going to bring him up soon because guess what? He's their number two position prospect. He's 22 years old. They believe that you know they got to find out what they have, and they've got other guys behind them, and it's it's time. But there's a there's still you know a lot of reasons pro and con. Right. Well, it's yet another thing that'll be interesting to. Uh to keep an eye on and we've got uh, two quick games in San Francisco and then you'll be off to Denver so we will talk to you on Thursday from Colorado and and hopefully no snow uh, you never know there I know it's, uh, it's it's been a weird weather time so hopefully no snow and uh, enjoy San Francisco and we'll talk to you and everyone else on Thursday thanks everybody